Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning for those of you that are sort of newer to the church. Uh, my name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors here also at the church, and I'm usually the guy hiding in the back. Um, I'm not sure why. It just kind of seems quiet back there, <laughs> maybe a little bit better, but I do hide back there. If you want to open your Bibles to James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, and as you're turning there, I just want to start out with a question and a survey which are somewhat related, but my first question is this. It's, do you ever wonder if you stopped coming here to church on Sundays, if you'd be missed. Do you ever wonder that? Like, if I stopped coming, would anyone ever really notice that I'm gone? I actually had someone say that to me this week. I haven't been at Harvest in weeks, and you and only one other person has even noticed that. That's kind of heartbreaking when you hear that. Let me ask a second, and now I'll give a survey. Uh, I want you to write down, whether it's in code or in your head, uh, even if you don't want to write it down, because I know sometimes when we say write it down, people are like, I'm not going to write it down because he asked me to write it down. Put it in your phone or, or whatever, but I'm gonna, I want to just survey this. Can you name someone you know who once followed Christ but no longer does? Someone you know, get that name fixed in your head. It could be several of them. Someone you know who used to follow Christ but no longer does. It could be a pastor. Uh, it could be a Sunday school teacher, small group leader, Someone that you were up here with, like you were in college, you were in the same small group, you looked at them and like, man, that dude is on fire. I wish I could be like them. It could even be someone that you have led in the past. You know, as a small group leader, you know, I remember so-and-so. And it could be like, like five years from now, I could say, I, re- I remember uh, Brian Cho, man, in high school. He was excited about God, and then he went off to college and gone. So it could be something like that. I'm not saying that, I'm not, pro- I'm not prophesying, just saying when the chose sit in front, that's what you get. You get picked on. You got that person in your head? Now, let's read our verses. John chapter, uh, sorry, James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Reads this way. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, we're in a series on prayer, and I know that we're doing a lot of stuff that's sort of theoretical, which is good, because you need to have a foundation and an understanding of how prayer works. I want to just take a little bit of a side road that leads us back to the regular road, and I want to practice something, and I want to practice what it means to actually pray for the wanderer. I've read a lot of commentaries and uh, even listened to a message by James McDonald. And there's, there's something that he said that sticks in my mind. And it's this. It's go get the wanderer. And, and he kept saying that throughout the message. Go get the wanderer. And that's who James is talking about today. And so as we look at this, I want us to see there is a reality. Now think about that person that you have in your head or that you wrote down. There is a reality that at one point in time when you saw this person, you were convinced that they really knew Christ intimately. 
And now whether it's two months or one year or five years or ten years, you think, where is that person today? I have no idea where they're at. I just know that they are no longer walking in step aligned with the purposes of God. They've wandered. This is a reality that people wander from the faith. That people wander from truth, as James says here. Now, one of the things about sharing what is in God's word is sometimes you want the author just to be here. And here's what I mean. I wish James was here because one of the things that gets confusing is when you read here and it says, one, if one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring him back. You kind of wonder, who is James talking about? And when you read commentaries, it's like uh, politics. You know, there's always two different sides. One, one commentator says, hey, you know what? It's talking about people who aren't Christians. Been in the church, they profess Christ, but they really aren't, and then they wander off. Or another guy says, well, no, really, because he's talking to people in the church, it's people who are actually followers of Christ, and they've kind of wandered away. So I honestly don't know what James is saying, and, and maybe when we get to heaven, James is going to say, here it is, it was this specific group of people that I was talking about. My guess and I think it's an educated guess, but it's my guess, and right, we all like our own opinions, right? I don't know anyone who says my opinion is wrong. My guess is he's speaking to both. He is speaking to those who have been in the church, have professed Christ, but really have not followed him. And he's speaking to those who have really followed Christ and have wandered away. And I don't think it's just here, but some of the evidence that I would say is this. Think about the Apostle Peter. Now, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon and, and bash Peter, because in my own heart, when I think about Peter... I don't think I could do it better. In fact, I would probably do it worse. I would probably have not even stayed in the garden. I would have been like one of those, um, I would have been leading the disciples in running away when the guard came. It's kind of like the other day when we were sharing um, lunch together after Willow Creek Care Center, and, we're, and one of the kids asked me, in the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> of all the youth group students, who would you want to have with you? And I said, Caitlin, because I'm faster than her. You know what I mean? So, I, in all honesty, I'm not picking on Peter saying Peter's a horrible man. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm just being honest. <laughs> what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is this. I am not better than Peter. But Peter wandered. Even after Jesus warned him, Peter wandered. And then he went fishing. More wandering. And it came to a place where one day the Apostle Paul had to say, Peter, we're talking about grace and you're going back to the party of circumcision. So Peter was a, a wanderer in some ways. Not long, not hard, whatever, but he wandered. It's a reality. Galatians 6 verse 1 says this though. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. What Paul's saying is there's someone in your church who has wandered in sin. They have wandered away from Christ. Now you need to go and get them restore them, be gentle. Don't come back yelling, screaming, telling them this and that, but go there and gently restore them because remember in humility, you may one day be in that place of wandering. Hebrews chapter two, verse one says, we must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And the picture is a boat uh, on a lake where the, the 
if you, you don't have someone in control, it just kind of wanders, right? It drifts. And it's, it's more like a natural, it's not a, like a boom over the cliff. It's just a natural drift. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, drift among the body of Christ is possible. People wander. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It is a reality that people who follow Jesus at one point in time can wander. We have to understand that. Because as James is writing this letter, I believe he's writing to some people who are wandering. Why? What's going on in this church? They're facing trials. They're facing temptations. They're struggling with that. There's prejudice. There's envy. There's jealousy. That's wandering. There are people who are living selfishly, praying for themselves. They're wandering. So in the midst of even the book of James, he ends it with this sense of, listen, my brothers and sisters... If one of you should wander from the truth, in other words, there is a reality that people wander from the truth. Now, you can categorize wanders in a whole bunch of ways. I'm going to go to, this is something that I came up with. This is not the gospel, so don't run away with it. But I think there's two. There's the obvious wanderer. And the obvious wanderer is the person who used to worship among us, but now for whatever reason no longer does so. They don't go to another church. They don't go to any church. In fact, if they went to a church, you might call it Bedside Baptist. Reverend Sheets and Pastor Pillow, their favorite preachers. You know what I'm saying? So they have wandered. We, we can think of those people, and that's probably the person that you have written down. But what scares me the most is the second kind of wander, and that's the wander who's actually sitting here right now in this church building, listening. You have wandered whether in your beliefs or in your practice away from God, you may not be aware of it or you may be aware of it and are playing the church game. It happens. It's probably something that each and every one of us has done. Simple way to put it is like this. Somebody comes up to you and says, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Liar! You just had a fight with your wife in the car. How can you be doing good after that? But we're not going to say, hey, I just want you to let you know my wife and I had a fight. I said some really mean things, and, uh, you know, uh, I let her have it. Have you ever heard someone say that? No. So in a sense, there's this, there's this veneer sometimes, even in church, where we can come and we are wandering. So what does a wanderer look like? I, I think to put it the simple way is, a wanderer is someone who is not walking with Christ. That's so vague, isn't it? But I would ask you, when you look at your heart, what are your desires like? Are your desires like the desires of Jesus, which say, listen, not my will, Father, but your will? Is it your desire to do God's will no matter what? Is it your desire to say, God, I will forgive so-and-so who has crushed me no matter what because you ask me to? We even prayed it, right? That's part of the prayer that Jesus gives us. Forgive those who have hurt you. Right? So as we're understanding that, where are your desires? Is there a willingness? What is your heart like? Not only your desire, what is your heart? Do you have compassion? When was the last time you actually felt compassion for someone? Think about it. all the people who are walking around saying, I have compassion for Cubs fans. 
I hope that this year they win it. I'm not walking with Jesus in that one. Sorry. But there are many who have compassion. Is your heart breaking at what is going on in your community? Is your heart breaking what is going on in our nation? Is your heart breaking what is going on in our world? Is your heart breaking that are actually people whom you know who don't know Christ and will never know him? Does that not break your heart? If not, then you have to ask yourself, am I really walking with Christ? Because it breaks his heart. His desire was to serve God with everything. His desire was to have the heart of God in everything that he does. So his desires, his thoughts, his words, his actions. So you could be in church and say all the right things and still be wandering. Does that make sense? So James says, listen, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, it is a basic reality that people wander. Why do people wander? They wander because of sin, right? I don't know about you, because I, I, but I can remember in Bible college, I was living in sin. I knew. I mean, you know, it's like everybody does. I get that. But, I mean, it was really, I, I'm doing this. I'm doing it wrong. But I'm going to keep on doing it. But I'm not going to tell anybody. So you run. You don't want to be with Christians who are on fire. You don't want to be around God. And so when we sin, we drift. We wander. It could be because of shame. You know, like I'm embarrassed at who I am. Um, I, and I see this sometimes online on Facebook when moms are always saying, I'm such a bad mom because I yell at my kids. And you want to scream back and say, everybody yells at your kids. Right? Come on, what parent here has not yelled at their kids? Maybe there might be someone, but I'm not really sure how you do that because I, I find myself yelling a lot. But yet we feel this, I'm ashamed to let people know. I mean, sometimes people say, I've never seen you angry. I've seen me angry and I don't like it. Do you know what I'm saying? But we run rather than saying, help me, we're we're ashamed. And so we wander. We might be hurt. Has anyone ever been hurt by someone else here in church? Right? That's a dumb question, right? Because we're all going to say, yes, yes, I've been hurt. And some people take that hurt and they leave the church. They go, this person said this. I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm surprised, Uh, Amy, I'm going to use you. Sorry. I think I hurt your feelings a few years back playing softball, right? Yet you still come. What kind of pastor does stuff like that, right? She could say, that hurt. What's wrong with you? She should have. But I felt it. But you know what I'm saying? Some people don't come back because they've been hurt at church. And they don't want to come back because they say, all these people have hurt me. Or, I haven't been around and nobody has said anything. That hurts. I'm missing from the church building and not one person, even in my community group, has given me a call and said, hey, it's been two months since you've been harvest. Where are you at? When you hear that, you're going to be hurt and say, oh, harvest talks about family, but isn't. And I have to imagine that there are a few of you sitting in this room right now who are saying, I'm at harvest. There's 100 plus people here, but I'm as lonely as I'll get out because nobody comes up and says anything. Why should I go to church? I'm hurt. They leave. There's a whole bunch of reasons, bad decisions and trials and so forth. So if you got in your mind, people wander, we can move to the next step, which is this. There is a response to this reality. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back. Here's the point. The language that James is using is, go get the wanderer. 
In other words, we know the reality is that there are people outside the church who aren't coming to church anymore. They aren't following Christ. Go get the wanderer. And there are people who are sitting in this church right now who aren't walking with Christ, even though they may be playing that game, but it's go get the wanderer. And what he's saying is someone, he's not saying someone in ministry, someone who's the pastor or someone who's the community group leader. He's saying someone, meaning every one of you, is responsible for dealing with this reality that's in the church. You know someone who is wandering, you go get the wanderer. You don't sit there and go, hey, you know what, Marcus, it's your job. They're in your small group. You take care of it. Well, if Randy knows that the person is going, even if you're in a different small group, it's still his responsibility to go get the wanderer. Instead of passing it off and saying, hey, you know what, that's someone else's job. That's not mine. James doesn't give any little, like, you can do this wanderer, or you can do that wanderer. This is your wanderer specialty, and that's so-and-so's wanderer specialty. No, he says, go get the wanderer. If you know that someone is walking away from Christ, go get the wanderer. Now we go, that sounds pretty good, but man, don't you realize that wanderer, whom I know is wandering, annoys me. When I sit down with them and I listen to them and they go, my life is this, my life is that, it's hard. It's like, oh my God, please, stop. Praise the Lord or something, but stop complaining. I can't take it. James would say, oh, well, that person, don't worry about them. Right? No, he would say, go get the wanderer. And I'll be on a parental moment. There was a point this week where I looked at my one of my daughters, and I said, you're annoying me. Wrong, right? Can anyone say amen to that one? You're looking like, what kind of parent says that? A bad parent at that moment. That's what kind of parent says it. Wandering. That wasn't very Christ-like at all. Strong kid, man, I'll tell you that much. What if she said, yeah, well, you're annoying me too. I'm out of here. Right? Well, obviously she can't do that because I'm the breadwinner and I'm the one who, you know what I'm saying? But, but that's what we do. Hey, you're wandering. I have a heart for you, but you got to wander the way I want you to wander, which is you follow these steps and be nice and kind. No, the wanderers wandering for a reason. They are hurting. Could you imagine Jesus going, hey, 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 hey. Son, daughter, I, I know you're wandering, but you got to meet these conditions first before I pursue you. No, go get the wanderer. Plain and simple. It does not matter who you are in the church. You could be the newest of members. You might have come to Christ yesterday. But if you know someone is wandering, you go and you get the wanderer. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. The wanderer is wandering for a reason. And if you're like me, you know, like when I go to wakes and funerals, it'd be really cool one day, as I probably have shared this with you, I'd like to go up to the casket and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Bam, the person gets up. Wouldn't that be cool? And we think if we sit down with the wanderer in one conversation, they're going to go, you know, I never saw that before. You are the most wise spiritual advisor that I have ever experienced in my life. I'm going to follow Jesus right now because of you. It doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it takes time to continue to walk with 
the wanderer before God does something. There's a lot of disappointment that happens. And, and it doesn't always work. That's the unfortunate thing. Now, I've shared in the past that I have an uncle who is sort of like the black sheep of the family. There was a lot of attention, or a lot of tension in the family. And um, so there's this family split that has been around uh, since I was born. In fact, rumor has it, I'm not sure, but that I was part of the reason why it happened, a crib and all that other stuff. But I know, right? White people, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> not to make light of the matter because it was actually very serious. So forgive me for that moment of wandering. But uh, for years, it's always been on my heart to see my side of the family reconcile with his side of the family. The good news is uh, I did reconcile with my cousin's niece. And uh, now through the process of just being walking with her, also seeing that reconciliation also occur with my cousin's former wife. Not with that side of the family, but just, you know, part of that side of the family. And it's really good. It's, there's, a, there's a growing relationship. It's, it's a good relationship. It's a God relationship. Uh, it's really strange out of all my nieces and nephews. I think she's the only one that calls me Uncle Frank. That's why I probably like her as my favorite because everyone else just calls me Frank. That's another weird thing. But in trying to reconcile, going after the wander, the disappointment is that I found out after my uncle had died that he had died two months later. I mean, he died. Two months later, I find out that he's dead. It, it, I tried, I tried, I tried. Go get the wanderer. What I'm telling you is this. It doesn't always work out nice and pretty. Okay? It's not always going to be the person's going to turn around. But James would say, go get the wanderer. Go get the wanderer. It is your responsibility if I were another pastor right now, I'd have you all say, and don't say this, you don't have to, it is my responsibility to go and get the wanderer. Say that in your head. But it is your responsibility to get the wanderer. James says, go get the wanderer. Don't hesitate. Go get the wanderer. Now, when you're looking at this, I wish James were here because he doesn't give us any clear instructions. But I, I learned three things. One, realize it's relational. If you're going to go and get the wanderer, you have to have a relationship. You can't walk up to the wanderer and say, hey, Brian, I know that you're wandering from Christ. Here is a track. Read this. You need this. And then walk away. That's not very relational. If you want to go get the wanderer, you need to develop a relationship with the one who's wandering. Don't be afraid to walk with them. Somebody says, but I'm going to get stained by the way they live. I would hope not. But there's no reason to have people behind you supporting you as you go and get the wander. It's relational. It is not. It is not a program. It's not a program. It's not even a project. It's, it's a relational act where you go and get the wander. Because the second thing I learned is this. It's an act of love. You love this person. And if you don't love the person who's wandering, then you got to ask yourself, why don't I love them? Hopefully getting to the place that you realize I'm wandering in heart. Because this relationship that you're developing with the person is because you love them and you want to see them walking once again with Christ. Not to get a badge of honor because we don't give any. We're not the Boy Scouts. We're not the Girl Scouts. We're not a wanna. We don't give you awards for doing something. That's only something that God is going to give you in the end. But go get the wander. Keep that relationship strong. Love that person and act. Galatians 6.1 says, go after them. Seek to restore them. 
We must do something. And so when James says, listen, someone should bring them back, he's saying, go get the wanderer. Why? Because there's a result if you don't. And there's also a result if you do. The results are twofold. One, there's a risk. Verse 20 says this. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death. Not physical death, but spiritual death. And so what James is saying is, listen, there's a battle that's going on. It is a life and death battle. It is not a game. We're not looking to win a game. We're not looking to say, hey, I have won this person back to Christ. We're saying, God has won this, in, 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 in a sense to me, to really, truly understand that this is a life and death matter. If we know who the wanderer is and we let the wanderer continue to wander, what we're saying is, I don't care if you die spiritually. I'm okay with that because of your attitude or whatever it is or I don't have the time or whatever that is. I'm okay with that. That is not right. It is not what God asks of us. He says there is a risk here that if we let this person continue to wander in their way, they will continue in death. And that is not what God intended, and it's not what God is asking us to allow. He's saying, go get the wanderer, because the stakes are high. Chase them if you have to, but go get the wanderer. But he says also there's a reward. And the reward is this. And First uh, Peter 4, 8, will say it in a different way, but it says very similar. You cover a multitude of sins. Peter says love covers a multitude of sins. The concept of the Father heart of God says, listen, the reality is, is that people wander because they have not aligned themselves with my heart. And when they wander, I'm calling you to go and get the wanderer. Not because it is a program, not because it is a project, but to actually, from your heart, your broken heart, you say, this person matters to me. And I will go get the wanderer. And when the wanderer comes back, what God says is, your love, my love, the heart of my love has actually covered a multitude of sins. It is all wiped away. And so if you're sitting there even today stuck and saying, I'm wandering and I know it, but I can't come back because of my sin, God says, doesn't work for me. Come back. I will cover that sin. I will cover that sin. I will cover that sin. There's a reward in going after the wanderer. The reward of seeing that person again be covered by the grace of God. Go get the wanderer. Now, let me finish with this. The unfortunate things about James not being here is he, he doesn't give us anything specific, right? All he does is says, go get the wanderer. I mean, that is so vague. Go get the wanderer. What do you mean, go get the wanderer? I mean, there's a whole bunch of ways you can do this. And I want us to be sensitive. Some people, you can walk up to them and go, listen, dude, you are wandering and you know it and I'm calling you on that. Is anyone here like that? Maybe one or two people? Somebody who, you know, just tell me straight up. Anybody? Nobody? Nobody likes that? I mean, if I, I'll be honest with you, I'll be the only one. If I ever wander, I'm giving you, as well as everyone else here, permission to come up to me and say, dude, get your act together. Fair enough? Don't, don't kind of like, oh, how you doing? What's happening? 
Oh, you're wandering. I love you. You know, just come up. John, say it. Dude, you are wandering, okay? That's how I like it. That's how I would like it. If I am wandering, do not do anything but come straight in my face and go, brother, you're wandering. You could do that with some people. Everyone else here, it seems like the rest of you would like to have a little bit more of a gentler approach. It's okay to be gentle. Go get the wanderer. Because to me, I think if James were here, and I could be wrong and we'll get to heaven, he'll yell at me, but I think what he's saying is, listen, getting the wanderer is relational and situational. Relational and situational. And, and I know that I've said this story maybe several times here at Harvest, but I remember when my wife was pregnant with Christina and you had to drink that juice. Remember that? And I told you that story. And she said, I have to go to the bathroom. And I said, no, you don't. Hold it in. Come on, you can make it, right? You remember that story? And uh, she got mad at me, which is rightly so. I was not being very relational, and I was not understanding the situation. But if I was in that situation, and she said, you wimp, you sissy, suck it up, and you don't go pee until you're done with the doctor, you know what I would have done? I would have held it. I held it for three and a half hours watching Titanic. I had to walk like this to get to the bathroom. I will hold it. You know what I'm saying? So it's relational and situational. I don't want you to go get the wander and say, hey, so-and-so, I heard this message today, man, and you are wandering, man. You are so far from God. I got to do something now. It's not going to work for everybody. Right? So it's relational. It's, it's situational. So here, let me say, this is what I don't think God wants you to do, is I don't think he wants you to criticize or condemn. I'm not saying not to speak the truth. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you don't run up to a person and say, dude, you are so mad. Because not everyone's going to receive it. Man, you bad. You're, you're the worst Christian I've ever seen. I don't know how anyone could ever be like you. But come back to Jesus. Don't do that. It's not going to work. And the other thing is don't make this a project. Because right now you might be sitting next to someone that you know is wandering. And they're wondering, oh, man, do they think I'm wandering? No, no, no. And then you start being nice to them. They're going to go, oh, okay, I see what you're up to. You're trying to get me to come back, right? No, don't make it a project. This is not a project. It's not a program. We're talking about people. People that matter to God and should matter to us. So don't do that. So here's three things I'm going to come up. And if you want to write this down, if there's anything you write, and forgive me, you know, I use the pastor thing, reality, response, and results. And now I'm going to use an acronym called PAL. Three things. Do you want to be a pal to the wanderer? First off, pray. Just pray that God begins to work in their heart, drawing them to him. Because the reality is, even though James will say, listen, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. I don't think James is saying it is your power that will change them because it's not. It's God's power, but you have a responsibility to be God's tool. But pray because only God draws people to himself. So pray and pray that that person's heart begins to soften and come back. And then to act, do something about it. It's really nice when we say, hey, you know what? God, I'm praying, why don't you answer? And I think sometimes God says, you're the answer. You go be it, Christ to them. Don't expect somebody else to come along. And one of the things that has frustrated for me for years in any ministry is when first-generation parents come up to me and say, listen, my kid's wandering, and I expect you to bring him back. I can't do that. I, I'll go, I'll be, I'll walk, but I am not the one who's going to be the one ultimately that brings them back. It might even be just you, mom, or you, dad. Don't put it in my lap. 
But in the end, act. If you see the wanderer, go get the wanderer. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Just go get the wanderer. And it might be the gentle approach where over time, how are you doing? What's going on? What can I pray for? What's happening? How, you know, that's okay. But at least you're acting, praying, acting, and most important of all is loving. Because even when that person says, I am done with your nonsense. I don't want to hear you. I don't like you being around. We still go and get the wanderer. Let's be honest, parents, how many times have your kids, and maybe if they're younger, this is better, when they get older, you'll hear this. In fact, George Lopez says he wasn't really a parent until one of his kids said, I hate you. But how many of us have heard, I hate you from your kids? I know you guys don't say it, right? Because you're all good. You always say, Mom, I love you. Everything is great, right? When they say that, what do we do? how do we respond as parents? Right? We go, what? Oh, you hate me? Fine. Pack up. Get out of my house. And when you love me again, maybe I'll let you back. Anyone ever said that? Okay, that's bad parenting. If you ever do that, man, send your kids to my house. <laughs> right? We don't do that. Our heart breaks over that. I, I mean, when, when, when one of my kids said it, I won't say which one of it, but it's, it's the older ones, but... There's three of them, so you have to pick and guess. Or you can just criticize or judge all of them in your mind. Whatever. But when this one said, Mom and Dad, I hate you. Of course, unfortunately, George Lopez's thing came and I said, Wow, I'm a parent now, right in front of that kid. But I didn't say, get out. It broke my heart. No parent wants to hear that. It breaks God's heart when someone wanders from the faith. And some of those people are saying, God, I not only hate your church, I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. But... God persists and says, go get the wanderer because you love them. So let me finish with this. Go get the wanderer. Let's pray. Father, give us your heart to go get the wanderer. Give us your strength to pursue the wanderer even through the darkest of places. Amen. Even as you're worshiping, I'm just going to encourage you. You don't have to sing. Not that I'm saying that there's anything bad with your singing, but if you want to just take this time and pray about the wanderer, please do so. And if the wanderer is you, be honest. I mean, if you know it and God knows it, share it with somebody else and say, man, I am wandering. I, have, I don't have the desire to do God's will. I don't even have the desire to read the Bible. I haven't read it in months. The only time I hear the Bible is on Sunday. I don't pray. Even when we pray at church, I'm thinking about something else. You might have no heart of compassion. But if you're that wanderer right now here, you don't have to sing. Just take the time and say, God, here I am. And you know what? Unfortunately, maybe no one will come up to you after service. Maybe someone will. I don't know. But even if not, if you know that you're wandering, don't be afraid to say, help me. Not just God help me, but hey, so-and-so, help me. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, 
check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.